pipe, oh, and it's yeah. blocked, and it, it is up. going to be covered by the Saints for a touchdown. It's your inside pass to everything Saints football. Jimmy Graham brings it down, and that is a touchdown, New Orleans. We'll take you to places most fans never go, to practice, to the sideline, to the locker room, following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown, Taysom Hill, to Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby! We are inside Black and Gold. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak in Week 10 edition, getting ready for the Minnesota Vikings high noon. You can hear that on WWL Saints Radio. Got a ton to get into in this episode, uh, breaking down more of the Vikings and uh, get a little also of an injury update. I know it's a kind of a uh, different schedule we've been going through this week. And uh, the usual didn't get put out yesterday, but a pretty healthy team, Jeff, going into this matchup to Minnesota, which is obviously a huge positive. Yeah. So, yeah, our schedule is a little different with the home game because we were able to do the post game that we did the episode on Wednesday. So today we're just going to kind of go through a little like what we're looking at from an injury report perspective. And it's nothing significant. And I think that's, you know, I said this earlier in the season and I think it's still relevant is, man, we gave this training staff and the medical team and all of this a lot of grief over the last several years because the injury rate has just been way too dang high. It seems like the injury report every week has 10 plus names on it. And you're constantly looking it's like, wow, what are we going to do without this guy? What are you going to do without this guy? There was a game, I can't remember, maybe the 49ers game, uh, where the Saints started without Paul Sandibo or Marshawn Lattimore, right? Like it was just week after week after week, someone else, someone else, someone else. Well, this week, you know, you look at the Saints injury report, um, no illnesses. Seems like they've kicked that, you know, fingers crossed. No more poop explosions coming out of the locker room. Uh, no, that was that was kind of gross. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> but I mean, like, that's basically that's what's what they're going through. You know, I, and I wouldn't know that unless Alvin told us directly. So there you go. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, you look at the injury report, you're talking two players, two players with injuries that are bummers and you expect them to miss a bit of time, right? Two right. rookies, which is what makes it a bummer because this is the point in the season that you'd like to see rookies continue to get worked in. You don't, you know, like, especially Isaiah Foskey, the defensive end, who, again, you know, we talked about this in the beginning of the week. The pass rush has been an issue. Containing mobile quarterbacks has been an issue. And I've pointed to this for the last couple of years. Team speed on defense is an issue. And one of the reasons that you brought Isaiah Foskey in, and one of the reasons I still like him as a prospect, is he's, he's very athletic. He's a guy who can g- run around out there and chase some people down. And I was thinking, okay, you don't make a trade at the deadline. It's kind of pro- projecting that, okay, you're going to get Isaiah Foskey more involved. Well, dealing with a quad injury right now. So uh, it, it doesn't seem to be significant. But I don't expect him to be out there this week. And, and who knows? Maybe, you know, you have a buy coming up. So you're not going to push anything that might be lingering knowing that you have the extra time off. So I don't expect to see him out there. And then running back Kendra Miller went down with an ankle sprain. And it's like, again, it's a bummer because, you know, the play he went down on with an ankle sprain was a 31-yard catch and run, right? Like, it's that's not what you want. But you do have Alvin Kamara and Jamal Williams and Taysom Hill. So... 
you know, if those are the if that's the player you're without, you're in decent shape. Right? If you're if you're looking around and you're saying there's positions we can't afford to be down bodies, running back is not one of them. Um, beyond that, you have Jimmy Graham still getting his rest. Which I mean, at what point do you just stop giving Jimmy Graham rest days? What what is that? I mean, how much rest do you need from the? You're not playing. That that's my whole thing. It's like he rested all of Sunday. Yeah, like what are you resting from? From <laughs> your. Know. It's a whole odd situation. I think like that, that's a big, like, huge m- mystery right now. We need like Lee Zurich or someone to delve inside. What's the deal with Jimmy Graham? You know, I don't, I don't know is, right now. I mean, is he like a player coach right now? Like, what is happening? I don't, I don't understand it. He was limited, right? So, but I don't know limited if I mentioned with so. rest. Yeah, li- he's limited with re- like he's rest. I, I don't, I don't get it. Ryan Ramchek also got rest. That's usual, right? He's playing, right? Uh, and he's been healthy. So yeah, so. Uh, the other the other three names on this list all were full participants. Uh, so Ty Summers for sure. Yeah, Ty Summers linebacker. He was listed with a concussion last week. He is not this week, so that's a good indicator that he has cleared that protocol. So he'll he should be back out there. I don't know. I mean, he, he's a special teams contributor. It's not. It wasn't a big deal that he wasn't out there. No offense, but you know that's yeah. not a huge impact uh, in terms of what you need to do on defense. And then Demario Davis, he got in his first full practice since that knee injury. So he's been. He hasn't missed any games, but he has been limited in practice since that injury against, I think it was the Texans. So that's a good sign that, you know, that injury is kind of, kind of run its course and you're kind of back to all world DeMario. That's a good thing. The only other name that that's worth talking about is Adam Prentice, who had his return to return window opened today. The fullback, he's been on injured reserve. He went on injured reserve after the week five win over the Patriots. So, he can now return. He was a full participant in practice. I I don't know whether you want him back. I, I mean, that's probably mean to say, but like, what Bing has brought, right? Kind of. Yeah, I mean, a, the, are you going to have to cut boost. somebody? Right, like in order to bring Adam back, you're going to have to cut somebody on the roster that you want to keep. I don't know. Yeah. So yeah, I think they do like having a fullback, but I wouldn't be surprised if you if you bring Adam Prentice back and then wave him immediately. And then throw him to the practice squad because you could still elevate him in games if you needed him. And, you know, from a from a compensation standpoint, I don't think it's that much different. Uh, Corey Littleton, interestingly enough, um, wild, right? got signed back to the Texans, <laughs> which which is kind of bizarre because it's like, why did they wave him if they were going to sign him back? Uh, I don't know. But Corey Littleton is no longer around. So I think the Saints are going to be in the market for just another linebacker body. Um, so maybe we'll see that. Yeah, one guy who you could look at is Jason Pierre-Paul, uh, which the reports are that he is willing to sign to the practice squad of a playoff contender. And when I tweeted that, hey, the Saints might be interested there because Jason Pierre-Paul, while he played you know, the last several years of his career on a 3-4 defense as an outside linebacker, his best seasons came with the Giants as a 4-3 defensive end. So he can do that. He can get to the quarterback. He can play the run. He's got long arms, eight fingers, seven and a half, maybe. Um, <laughs> the, and, the poster child for don't mess around with fireworks. Yeah. Yeah. He and David and Joku are going to like have PSAs about like, okay, guys, this is dangerous. Don't do this. <laughs> Leave but, it to the pros. <laughs> yeah. The uh, pros at that, not pros right, at right. football. Yeah. Um, but no, it's funny because when I tweeted that, like, they were like, oh, well, he wants to go to a playoff contender. And I was like, that's literally what the Saints are. 
right? Like you're going to try to sit there and you can tell me a lot of things. You can complain about a lot of things, but <laughs> pretending that this team doesn't have a chance to make the playoffs is, is nonsense. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're good. I mean, I'm not going to say they're going to make the playoffs, but it feels likely right now. Like if you're, if you're a player who's looking around trying to find a spot where you can make an impact, they need you. And like you can expect to get on the field as the season goes on. The Saints would make a lot of sense. And I don't know if, if he's looking for a higher end playoff contender, like maybe the 49ers right. or, you know, the, the chiefs, right? Like there's, there's options on the table where you could say they are Super Bowl contenders, but playoff contender <laughs> is very much the Saints right now. So I don't know, like, I think you probably are still in the market for some depth at the defensive end position. And so that's something to keep in mind. No, I, I definitely agree, especially, you know, with the, the pass rush that has struggled, maybe uh, someone like Pierre Paul could infuse a little, I don't know, a, a boost there somehow. But yeah, the team's sack numbers really amazingly down this year, considering how high the turnover numbers have gotten. Yeah, I think Robert Saleh said this this week, and I, I agree with him in kind of principle of like, we get way too worked up about sack numbers. Like, like you can completely affect a play and not get a sack and it's still like a good play. Like if all you're looking at for a defensive end is how many sacks they have, it's like the difference between six and 10. It's like, are you saying that the guy who got six is garbage and the guy who got 10? So it's like you made four impact plays throughout a season and that's the balance of your work. And that's the only thing we're looking at. It just doesn't make a ton of sense. Like you can get four sacks in a game. You could have a three game stretch where you get eight sacks and then a 14 game stretch where you get zero. You finish the season with eight sacks and people are like, well, you had a good season. Right. <laughs> so that, that, that's the why it doesn't really, it doesn't, it's a lot harder to value at a defensive end than that number alone. That said, yes, you want sacks. Sacks are impactful. Pressure, pressures too. We need, I mean, we'll, we'll take that yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, and like just win rate, right? Like how many times have you beaten the guy in front of you is a question. Right. You know, like are you playing? And it's like what what technique are you playing, right? Are you containing? Are you playing a Lamar Jackson and you're just trying to keep him in the pocket? Because you're not going to get sacks there. But you're doing your job. Anyway, so I don't know. I, I, that's a different rant for a different day. Let's let's just kind of go through the, the Vikings real quick. And, you know, so they have a much longer injury. Point. And that's the thing. Like, again, right. a lot of these teams you're facing have significant injury reports. And – you can say that, yeah, whatever, you know, the Saints are just getting lucky. But every year you look around the NFL and you you know what a common denominator is with a lot of teams that make the playoffs? They didn't have those crazy injuries. They didn't lose their starting quarterback to an injury. They have their starting running back. They have their elite playmakers. They have their defensive ends, right? They have their starters. And they aren't playing their fifth string cornerback at safety, right? Like that's that's usually a common theme among teams that, make it to the end of the season playing well. And the Saints are in that right now, so they're not going to apologize for that. That said, the Vikings, so you're talking about Jaron Hall, who's the quarterback. He's in the concussion protocol, so I don't expect him to be active this week. Uh, obviously, Josh Dobbs, who kind of came in midway through the game. And, <laughs> you know, the Falcons, you know, like you could talk about the Saints defense not playing well and whatever. They at least woke up and finished that game like an elite defense should against a rookie quarterback that has no business going out there and winning the Falcons did not. Yeah. And like, like there's, there's a point where you can say, yeah, so he's a quarterback you weren't prepared for. So you might catch you off guard with some things, but in the fourth quarter, you have to have figured him out and win. And the Falcons didn't. So like, you're talking about, you know, Dennis Allen and the defense and the offense and like Arthur Smith, 
that seat's got to be getting pretty hot. Because like you, you, you were going into a game against Darren Hall. You ended that game against Josh Dobbs. And you lost. Yeah. At home. It's like, yeah, you can't lose that game and expect to be a playoff game. Like, that's the difference between four and five and five and four right now. No, no, it's Falcons. You think Saints fans are frustrated. Falcons fans, you got Bijan, uh, Kyle Pitts, Drake London, all these weapons, and you're not even using them. Uh, I would love to play the audio of Arthur Smith answering a question about why Bijan Robinson is oh, not so bad in the red zone. I can't. Because we don't have enough time. Because his answer was six minutes long. And he said nothing. Nothing, right. Nothing. He just said like, well, sometimes you do this. Sometimes you do that. You know, sometimes if you get 50% or you get 70%, we always want to score. But we don't always score. So sometimes you don't score. Oh, my God. That is the answer of a crazy person. Um, No, I definitely think like you're right with he's on the hot seat. And then, man, you got to start wondering about our boy Terry Fontenot over there. What's going to happen with him? Um, I'll be interesting to see how things shake out with the ATL. Agreed. But no, so I mean, I'm not going to go through the entire Viking injury report, but the ones that are worth watching, KJ Osborne, really good. You know, not a receiver that a lot of people talk about, but he is a good receiver. He's a player that if he's on the field, you have to account for. He's going to be one of their high, especially if there's no Justin Jefferson, which I don't expect that we'll get to that in a second. You know, he's a guy who, you know, you, you expect to make some plays and you need to account for. So he's dealing with a groin injury. He didn't practice to start the week. So he'll be one to watch. Another one is uh, Jalen Naylor returned from IR this week. He could potentially play. He's dealing with a hamstring injury. And the other one is Justin Jefferson also returned. You know, I, I say returned from IR. His practice window opened. And I think most people kind of have, the structure of this figured out by now, but so you have to be out for four weeks. Go ahead. I think when most people saw that though, no, they panicked. It was like, Oh my God, he returned to practice. Well, it's like, of course it happens the week against the Saints. Yeah, like we knew Saints. this was going to happen, right? Like it, because the way IR works is you, you have to be out for four weeks and then you have three weeks where you can practice and not be added to the active roster. So, I mean, as if, if the Vikings think that he's going to be able to return by December, yes, He's going to come back this week, regardless of whether he's ready to play this weekend. Kevin O'Connell did say that he does not expect him to play. So like, there's a chance he plays, but I would not look at that and say like, okay, well, we need to be super prepared for Justin Jefferson. Because even if he does play, who, I, I doubt he's going to be particularly effective with all that time out and you know, dealing with a hamstring injury. Like A hamstring injury isn't something you want to mess with when you're in the position the Vikings are in, particularly. Because... If you're the Vikings, you're looking at this like, man, we just went for it's like when the when the Saints lost Drew Brees and, and won all the games with Teddy. Yeah. Right. And, and it's like, well, we don't need to rush Drew back because we're in way better position than we ever thought we would be. So let's just figure it out. And I think he came back against the, the Cardinals and like we gate or whatever. Uh, like the Justice, like you're five and four. You've won all four games without him. Why would you feel like you need to rush him back right now? Just to just to just for this game, just because you can, when like worst case scenario, you're five and five and you're getting Justin Jefferson back how, at whatever point you get him. I don't know. I, I so I don't expect to see him, but that's something to watch, obviously, and you can kind of go from there. Yeah, I thought, you know, Schefter tweeted out the comments from Coach O'Connell. It was you know, I think it'd be aggressive to think that Jefferson could play this week. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, but that's really all I have on the on the injury reports. One other thing that I was arguing with people on the internet about today, there was a there was a list of like pre mid season picks 
to win the end of season awards. So like offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year, blah, blah, blah. But the one that kind of stands out to me is comeback player of the year. And, you know, it's like we already, we, I guess we all decided as a media core, as a fan, uh, you know, as a, as a league that DeMar Hamlin was going to win it. it. Yeah. It just gets it. Right. But like, you look at, it, it's like, okay, like I get it. I get it. And I'm not taking anything away from his story. Like his story is great. Sure. He's played 18 snaps. In one game this year, is that enough to win? Like in the history of this award, it's like okay, you went through adversity, and then you came back, and it's like I don't even need him to play well, but I think that he should at least have to play. <laughs> like you're talking about a guy who just hasn't played, and like I don't think it takes away from Demar Hamlin to say like, no, there's people who are probably more deserving of this award, right? Like that have played, and it's right. like it's not Come all about Michael Thomas. Right? Just there. Yeah, I mean, like, and I get it. Like, it's a he's gonna win it because it's a it's the right PR move, right? Right? Like, I get it. I understand it. I still don't so agree I guess with you it. You had trolls coming after you for saying he shouldn't. Well, and people are like, oh, he literally died. And I'm like, I know, but you know, <laughs> but, but he, he's still not doing anything right he's now. He's not playing. <laughs> he's not playing. Like what? Like I don't think it's it's a controversial take to be like you should have to play in the season to win a season award. I just like we so, and, and the annoying thing. So like someone came to me and was like, well, who, who would you have win it? And I'm like, it doesn't matter. The conversation isn't even worth having because if you're if you're already saying with 18 snaps played, he's the winner, then it's over. Just give it to him now. Right? It's just strange to me. And I just think it takes away from the conversations we could be having about players who also had very difficult seasons and came back and have played very well. And it's kind of a homer take from me because I think people aren't talking enough about Mike Thomas and what he's been able to do this season after missing effectively three years of football with various injuries. And he's now played in nine games. And no, he hasn't been a been a supernova. He just had his first game ever without a catch, but he did play the entire game. Right. And like, so you could talk about Tua, you could talk about Josh Dobbs, you could talk about Mike Thomas, but like just giving it to DeMar Hamlin because he's DeMar Hamlin I just think that's unfair to other players. And like someone's like, well, who, what, what examples do you have of guys who have dealt with what he did and came back? And I'm like, you, this is the NFL. You have serious, like life-threatening injuries. Not all the time, but a, but lot. Yeah. a good amount. Like that's part of the reason it's so dangerous to play in the NFL. Like Ryan Shazier didn't win it. He came back from what, like a paralyzing injury. Didn't ever, yeah. didn't really play. You could have given the award to him. You didn't do it. You know, like, look, look, look at the recipients of this award and show me the winners who won it without playing. And I don't know. Like, I just think it's reductive for the league to just look at that and say, he's going to win this award that is supposed to be about coming back to, to the game and succeeding in a way that, that, that people probably didn't think you could. And, and by that definition, sure, you could say just getting on the field for 18 snaps, fine. Since but I don't know. Yeah, like, and I get it. Like, again, I, I'm not taken away from the Demar Hamlin story. I just don't think that saying he gets this award regardless of anything that happens is is I don't know fair to other the other players who have dealt with stuff. No, you like, just mentioned Tua, and to me, yeah, Tua is more deserving. 
Well, to, I mean, yeah, to look at two. I mean, the guy had multiple concussions. Like you, you're talking about his career might be over, right? And the hands on the field. That was yeah, all scary. Yeah, response. Like, like stuff like that happens. This is not a league where, you know, it's like the, the NBA. If someone went down like that and it's like, yeah, this is the first time you've ever seen anything like that where someone gets carted off the field and you're like not sure what's going to happen, right? Like it's like at least once every couple of weeks you see like a thumbs up from a guy on a backboard strapped to a backboard and you're like, okay, God, thank God he's alive, right? Like, I don't know. And and, and I'm going to come off as the dick here because I don't like, I'm, I'm not like just jumping over a, a barrel to hand an award to a guy who deserves a lot of credit, right? I just think it's mid season and we're saying he's played 18 snaps and it's his, I don't, I don't, I, I disagree with that. Personally. I'm with you, actually. I don't think that's fair at all. Like I said, when you mention a few names, and yeah, to me, I, right now, if I had to, I'm giving it to Tua. It's just like, like I get there's no like actual criteria that requires playtime. <laughs> but. but but I mean, look at the history of this award. Look at the history of the people who've won this award and tell me that this is not a weird a weird hill to be on. That literally just getting back onto, like, onto the sideline is all you tell it to anyone. That's true. Well, for, actually, then for the Saints, why don't we throw Jimmy Graham into the mix? Yeah, he he's spent all offseason cycling and he's back. Um, I don't know. Like I, I I just think it. Like I, like I said, people should be talking more about people like guys like Michael Thomas and Tua, and that's that's to me that's what makes that award so great. Is it highlights players who you know it overcame adversity and. And it kind of balances like, okay, yeah, this was really impressive, but this was more impressive. And this was, and you know, I just think by saying that it's his award, regardless of anything that happens around him, which saying it's his with 18 snaps played in nine games is doing that. It, it, that it just erases the discussion about other players who have, who have come back and, and done really impressive things. Do you, you, this is a question too. Do you feel like Buffalo might be like, Man, we can't even cut this guy. We'd be, we'd be get we'd get killed if we released him. One thousand percent. Not even a question. Yeah, yeah. No, they can't cut him. They can't put him on the practice squad. Are you kidding me? No. That's it. That's all I got. Anything else you want to add before we move on? So let's wrap up that segment of Inside Black and Gold. I forgot to mention in the beginning what we were going to talk about. So let's <laughs> mention it right now. So we're going to come back. We're going to talk to Sam Ekstrom, host of Locked On Vikings. He's also the play-by-play guy for. Gophers hockey, so probably has some good insight on Jordan Howden, who's making that return trip to Minnesota this week because he played for uh, the gold, the Golden Gophers, which is one of my favorite uh, mascots in in pro sports or just in sports in general. It's obviously college. But the Golden, the Golden Gophers, all the Gophers. You know what he called the Gophers on the golf course? Um, that's it. And then we're gonna, and then the final segment I want to talk about pressure rates. The Vikings blitz at a higher rate than anyone in the NFL. So we'll go through that. We heard from Derek Carr. But we're going to change our format a little bit from X-Factors to, to who's your guy? Who is your guy in this matchup that you want to see have a big game? So that's what we're going to do. So this is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. Stick around.